You're listening to another life-transforming message from our campus pastor, Vince Craig. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Well, it is, uh, it is Vision Builders Month. And uh, you'll find as, as the years go, uh, as we continue through, uh, you know, continue to take ground at our church, you'll find that Vision Builders Month uh, is going to be the most fun months that we have um, as God just begins to do new and amazing things. Can we give our band a hand? These guys, worship was next level this morning. Absolutely next level. Great job, you guys. Wow. Well, we're going to dive right in this morning to uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, and uh, we've got a decent amount of ground to cover, and my goal, uh, I want to inspire you, I want to I encourage you, and I want to I help kind of get you to see some things that maybe you haven't seen before, uh, but I also want to help spark uh, a hunger for the Word of God a hunger for the Word of God. So my prayer would be that you go home and you dive in deeper into what we're about to talk about. You get into your connect group and you dive deeper into what you're talking about. Because just like Pastor Andrew was talking about last week, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind when we get God's Word into our heart and into our soul and into our mind and reprogram the way that our old thinking, our old way of doing things. We got stinking thinking and we got to clear it out so that we can think the way that God would have us to think, that we would have the thoughts of Christ. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to get into God's Word. Amen? Come on. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start at the first verse. We're going to flow through. Uh, I'm going to read the whole portion, uh, and then we're going to come back, uh, and we're going to look at it. It says, uh, on the day... Uh, one day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding to he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He replied, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow, red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign, but, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. I like how they're trying to confront him. They're trying to kind of, they're trying to trap him. And I like how he's just like, y'all are crazy. And then he just sort of like, sometimes, just real quick, sometimes if people are coming at you and their whole goal is just to trap you, sometimes you got to wipe the dust off your feet and just say, you know what? I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he's going to do. I don't need to get tied in to this mess, all right? So we're just going to keep going. It says in verse 5, later... After they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At this, they began to argue with each other uh, because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew that they were what they were saying, so he said, You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers that you picked up or the 4,000 I fed with the seven loaves and the large baskets? Baskets of leftovers that you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but the deceptive teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
Then verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked, but who do you say I am? That's the most important question, by the way, that you have to answer. Who do you say Jesus is? It doesn't matter who I say he is. Like, it matters who you say he is because only you can make that determination. Only you can have that revelation. And so you can be a part of a church that believes who Jesus is, but if you don't... All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Simon, Cedar, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of the heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Wow. Come on, somebody. Circle that, highlight that, put that into your mind. Be, let that be a code that goes into your head. Okay, then he sternly warned them, the disciples, not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Whew. Ah, the title of my message is called Power of Attorney. Power of Attorney. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you are full of grace and love and mercy and power. Lord, I thank you that you've equipped your church to do everything that you've called it to do. Lord, I thank you now as we dive into your word. I thank you for it. Let it penetrate bone and marrow. Lord, let it change us from the inside out. We thank you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Power of attorney. How many of you have had power of attorney? I bought my first house about 12 years ago with my brother, and uh, he was actually, he had a job he was traveling on, and so at closing, he was out of town, and so I had power of attorney for my brother, and so every single page of, of, the, of the closing documents, I had to write Vince Craig, and then I had to write John Blair signing for, or whatever it was, you know, as attorney, as John Blair, as an attorney in fact, as attorney in fact, or whatever, I'm slaughtering that, but I had to, and so you could imagine, like, that closing took a very long time, and my hand, by the end of it, I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I had power of attorney then. I had, I had power of attorney with my mom when she was sick, and I, I needed to handle some of her affairs. So, you know, some of you have dealt with having power of attorney. This is what it means, in case you don't know. It means the authority to act for a person in a specific or all legal financial matters. Essentially, the document of power of attorney gives you authority to deal, to sign, to speak for somebody else. This is important. So let's dive through, get into this a little bit this morning. It says in verse 5, Later, after, the after, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten, they had, they had forgotten to bring bread. Now, 
You have to think of this as like, you know, the Sea of Galilee and, and think of it kind of, you know, similar to like the Great Salt Lake, if you will, and the fact that, you know, you get to the to the edge there and you've got like Arby's and some other things. Uh, and, and then, but and then if you get into a boat and you cross to the other side of the Great Salt Lake, when you get there, what you'll find is a whole lot of nothing. Like there's a whole lot, you can't go to, you know, and so if you're going to go to the other side of that lake, you got to bring a lunch, you got to bring, you got to be prepared, right? And so the disciples, they go to the other side of the lake, and when they get there, they realize, oh, we forgot bread, (laughs) we forgot lunch. And then Jesus says, beware of the yeast of of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're like, I don't even know what to do with that. And then at that, they begin to argue. They begin to, they begin to argue. You can, almost, you can almost hear it. Like, tension is high, right? They're like, Peter, I thought you were bringing the bread. <laughs> you know, and John's like, no, I, I told Andrew to bring the bread. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, and Andrew's like, no, I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be. Like, Peter always brings, he's the leader. He's supposed to do the thing. And John's like, you guys are totally idiots, right? And, and he's like, probably what happened is Judas was supposed to bring the bread. And he probably sold it and took the money before they <laughs> But they're arguing and they're arguing about the bread. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? You guys, where have you been? Like, what, what, is, what is your problem? Like, I wonder if this moment, what Jesus wanted to do was just, like, drop down a Chick-fil-A. Like, how cool would that have been? Like, and all of a sudden, like, Jesus just drops down this Chick-fil-A, and the authors are like, you know, and then a glorious, you know, this building came down from heaven, and a, and a, and a man with pearly skin, pearly white skin came with a crimson polo that said, you know, how may I help you? And then gave us these breaded patties of meat with amazing, you know, loaves on top, and, and some sort of, like, you know, honey, milky sauce on them, and and it was just manna from heaven. And, and as soon as we ate them, the, the man said, it was my pleasure. And then floated into heaven. <laughs> like, I just, I just, like, how cool would that have been? Like, and honestly, we don't really know how he dealt with the issue, by the way. Like, maybe he was just like, don't tell him about that. That's, that's just for you. I mean, I don't know. But he's like, what is your issue? Like, have you forgotten who I am? Like, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Like, do you not remember? He's so, he's so, like, upset because these guys are arguing about bread. He's like, guys, you forget. Like, do you remember, I just, I just got done multiplying bread. Like, I, I, can, I can feed all of Israel with the lint that's in Bartholomew's jeans. Like, I've got it covered. I've got it. But y'all are so worried about bread. Y'all are just so irritated. You're so worried. You got your, you know, you're, you're in a hissy about bread. Look up. Look up. I wonder... I wonder if you can relate, though. How often are we all distracted about bread? 
How often are we calling ourselves followers of Jesus? Yeah, I believe. I'm a believer. But then when it comes right to it, when we're supposed to step out in faith, we just start arguing about bread. I just don't have enough. I just I don't I don't have what it's going to. I'm just, you're arguing with your spouse. But you can't give that much. You know, you can't, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these guys are arguing about bread. And it's easy. Like, I don't want to, it's easy to do. It's easy to get tied up and to focus on the lack, isn't it? To get tied up and to focus, oh, well, I just, the reality is, Vince, is that I just don't, I don't have that. Like, that's just my truth. Like, that's just my reality. And friends, the reality was that the disciples had forgotten the bread. Like, that was the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is that they're on the other side of this lake, that they should have brought the bread, that now they're in a situation, that they've, 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 it is a problem. Like, this, there's a reason why ten, like things are tense. There's a reason why they're arguing. This is a problem. And it's easy to get caught up in this space where we're just like, this is just the facts. I'm, I, I don't have what I need. And we focus on the lack. And, and you know, it, well, I mean, we would, but, I mean, the church, I mean, we don't even have our own building, so. Boo freaking who. <laughs> well, we just, and the thing that happens when we get in this spot is we get into blame. It's because of them. It's because of him. It's because of them. I'm in this situation. I have this lack. I have this need because this person over here messed me up way back then. Because this, because I didn't, I wouldn't have the luxury of going to college because I didn't have the ability to do this or to do that. And so now here I am and I'm blaming everybody else for my lack and I'm focusing on my lack and I'm arguing with everybody and I'm not willing to step out into faith. And I instead, I just justify my inability to step out in faith by blaming other people. And we become victims of our circumstance. It's not the life that God has called us to live. Notice, though, that Jesus doesn't, like, commend them or applause them for forgetting lunch. I want, it's just important to realize that. I think sometimes Christians are like, I'm just going to do whatever, and I'm just going to expect that God, like, he, he didn't, like, he wasn't like, oh, thank you for, forgive, for forgetting the bread. Now I can teach you a lesson and do a miracle. Do not live a careless, unwise, sloppy life in the name of faith. Don't do it. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that we put ourselves in, and we need to realize, oops, oopsie-daisy. <laughs> right? We need to be diligent. We need to be faithful. We need to use wisdom. We get to the end of vision builders, and you're going to write a pledge. Don't write something on there that you're just like, I'm just going to write this crazy amount, and then I'm going to sit on my couch all day and pray it in. <laughs> Everyone's like, really? That's not how it works? <laughs> He says, why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the, of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then at least, at last, they understood that he wasn't speaking about yeast and bread, but about the deceptive 
teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus is like, guys, this is bigger than bread. I'm not, I'm not just talking about bread here, folks. This is bigger than, than bread. See, the, the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is what? It's these guys were hypocritical, judgmental, religious, pompous, arrogant religious folks that pretended to believe in God but acted like he didn't move, acted like he wouldn't do, acted as though he wasn't real. They used religion to oppress and to manipulate people. Religion is not meant to, well, maybe religion is meant to, but Jesus is not a God of oppression, of manipulation, of control. That is not my God. These people stood up on their high horse and had appearance of godliness but looked nothing like him. These people were blind as bats. The Son of God, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God with skin on, the King of heaven's armies is standing in front of them, and they can't see it because they're too blind, they're too focused on the here and the now, they're too focused on their control, they're too focused on what they can get out of it, they're too focused, and they don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. This is the yeast that Jesus is talking about. He says, beware of the yeast. You see, sometimes in, the, in, in churches, we can get so caught up into doing the church thing and feeling real good about ourselves, and we all of a sudden become these religious, pompous, you know, Folks who forget who Jesus actually is in our lives don't, don't reflect him. Our, our beliefs, the way that we step out in faith doesn't reflect the God that we believe in. You see, I wonder, can, 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 if I really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and this is often, like I'm being real for, with you for a second, like daily, daily I've got to go to myself and I go, God, did my actions truly reflect how I actually believe. Some days, I'm like, yeah, I really felt like I really was, you know, but some days, more than I would like to admit, I'm like, no. I allowed myself. I played it safe. I felt like I should have stepped out in faith in that moment, but I, but I didn't. I feel like I should have I should have said that. I felt like I should have gave that, but I, I didn't because I was I was too focused on this thing over here. And this is the yeast that Jesus is talking about. This is the yeast that just a little bit of it will penetrate the whole batch and spoil it. And so every day I've got to go to the threshing floor and I go, God, get away any yeast that is in me, any of this religious, any of this unbelief. I don't want any of it in my life. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus is like, not you too. My boys, you've been with me every step of the way. He says, Are you, weren't you there when I multiplied the bread twice? Like, come on, beware. 
Jesus is like, guys, I'm the bread of life, remember? I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. Like, I am the source. Do we, do I live a life that reflects my true belief that is that Jesus Christ, my Savior, is my source of everything? Or do I live a life that says my bank account is my source or my relationship is my source or my savings account is my source or my stock options are my source or the car that I drive is my, what is my source? You see, they forgot the lunch and they're arguing. I think that sometimes the church gets so, that we're looking at the lack and we're arguing about bread and Jesus would say, hey, beware of that yeast. Look up and remember who I am. I am your source. Seek first the kingdom of God, he says, and all of these things will be added unto you. Would you just look at me? Look at me. Now then, now when Jesus came to, verse 13, now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that, I, that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says, well, who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjana, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let's talk about this rock for a moment. First of all, the rock. Who's the rock? Peter? Somebody said, it's Peter. You just said it. Kind of. <laughs> sort of, kind of. I mean, Peter, we know that Peter's becomes a pretty big, you know, pillar in the early church. He, 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 he kind of paves the way in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But, but, but how many of you know that the church is not built on the back of Peter? It's not built on the back of anybody except for Jesus Christ, who's our cornerstone, amen? But who is Jesus? That's what this rock is. This is the foundation. You see, you can say, oh yeah, I put my faith in Jesus, but we have to ask the question, who is he? Is he a prophet? Is he John the Baptist? Is he Elijah? Is he, who is he? The, the revelation that Peter has is that he's the Christ, the Messiah, that he's God with skin on. And this, my friends, is the rock that Jesus is saying, yes, it's on that revelation that I will build my church. It's on the reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It is in that, it's in that if we don't have that right, the building structure will, in fact, crumble. This is Caesarea Philippi. This is Caesarea Philippi. See, before, in Jesus' time, this was a, an area where the Greeks and the Romans would come. In fact, in the Old Testament as well, this was, all, this was a place of idol worship. Nasty idol worship, by the way. The nastiest. We got a great kids program, just for the record. On this, on this altar, there was altars here and temples here. And in this spot, the, the, the Gentiles would come and they would worship gods. They would, one of the major ones was a god named Pan. And in this, and, and what they would do, they would come here, Caesarea Philippi, and they would have sex with prostitutes. They would commit, they would commit all sorts of grotesque acts, including having sex with goats. (laughs) 
This was known for that. This was the red light district. This was like these guys, Jesus' followers had probably had never been here. They got off the boat. They started walking. They're like, oh, I wonder where we're going. They're like, we're getting close to Caesarea Philippi. He's not taking us there, I'm sure. And then he gets to that, this rock, he gets to this, to this space, and, and I bet that, that they were like, hear no evil, see no evil, oh my, like this is horrible, I can't believe I'm here, like what are we doing? You see, it's on that rock. See, it's on the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, but it is also, see, Jesus doesn't do anything by accident. He leads them to this place that represents the grip that the enemy has on the Gentile nations. He goes to this place where it represents the idol worship. It represents the bondage that exists. It represents these people that were known as unreachable, these people that nobody would even touch, these people that, that, it, that, that in a normal circumstance, Jesus and the disciples, religious folks, would have never have even ever gone there And it, because it was a place, really, that if, if, if the devil owned any land, it was in Caesarea Philippi. This is enemy lines here. This is, this is the red light district. This is, this is the armpit of Las Vegas. This is the nastiest part of Mexico City. This is, this is the worst of the worst. This is, you know, this is some nasty area. I'm trying to think of a nasty place in Utah. Rio Grande. I don't know. Like, this, <laughs> I'm not really, I'm pretty blessed. But, it, like, this is, this is the grossest of the gross, and Jesus says it's on this rock. It's behind enemy lines. It's where the devil thinks that he has the most power. It's here that I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's fighting words. He's putting the gloves on. He's saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. The enemy has had a stronghold in this area for far too long, and no longer will he, because I am God Almighty. And on this rock, where the enemy thinks that he rules, where he reigns, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I'm taking it back. See, Jesus was there at the beginning of the world when God said, let there be light. When God formed the earth, the boundaries of the sea and the land, when he created the animals on the ground and the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, Jesus spoke it. He was the word that spoke life into existence. He was there when Caesarea Philippi was created. And essentially he's saying, the enemy has stolen my land and I'm about to take it back. Reminds me of that old song. Ooh, I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Remember? 
I took back what, listen, some of you have allowed the devil to steal things from you, and right now, this morning, it's about time that you go back into that enemy's camp and you say, no, I take it back. That dream that I let die, that joy that I let die, that, 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 that happiness that I once had, no, the enemy has stolen it, it's time to take it back. I used to believe that something could happen, but now I have, now I don't anymore, it's time to take it back, church. There are things in this city that the enemy has stolen, and it's time that we take it back. Somebody said amen. And that's exciting, right? I got to wrap up here. This is where it gets good, honestly. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The band can come up. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose of er on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Essentially, Jesus is saying, listen, guys. We're going into the enemy's camp and we're going to take it back. See, God with skin has showed up on the earth to pay the ultimate price, to make a way where there was no way, and it's time that we take, the, we take what the enemy has stolen. And so on this rock, I will build my church. And everybody said, but how? You see, when Jesus said that, he was actually showing us how. And then he shows, he looks to Peter, and he says, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to show you the How? You see, you won't be able to do this on your own, Peter. Disciples, you won't be able to do this on your own. Church, we cannot do this on our own authority with our own effort and our own work. You see, it was God himself that gave Peter the revelation. He didn't even, he was just like, Peter is kind of an idiot. He's just like floating around making stupid things. But God revealed to Peter who Jesus actually was. Then, then Jesus says, and you, Peter, that, that, that revelation that, that you receive freely, not by your own work, but because I just freely gave gave it to you, now you, now, because you believe in who I am, now you will have power of attorney. Now you will have power of attorney. That now you will be able to speak on my behalf. Now you will be able to speak on my behalf. You see, the amazing thing is here in Caesarea Philippi, about 25 miles to the shore of the Mediterranean is a place called Caesarea. What is the other part? I don't forget. And about seven years later in Acts chapter 10, Peter is up on a rooftop. And God comes to him in a dream and he brings down this, this blanket that's got all these unclean animals in it. Remember, the Jewish nation, they were the chosen ones of Israel. Everybody else, they were the Gentiles. They, they, God was not for them. And so Peter's thinking is small. His understanding of who God is is small. But in this dream, he brings down these unclean animals and he says, eat it, Peter. It was bacon, Praise Jesus. Reptiles. Whatever. And Peter says, no, 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 I can't do it. 
and again and again until finally he's like, I don't know what this is all about. He's perplexed at this dream. He's like, what is going on? And then he gets a knock at the door. The Holy Spirit says, go follow these guys. He goes to Caesarea, about 25 miles away from Caesarea Philippi. And he meets a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman officer. Chances are really good that Cornelius had spent some time up, time up in this place in his life. Chances are really good. He's a Gentile. Chances are really good that, that, that he would have maybe gone here and, and sacrificed, maybe gone here and committed some acts that were detestable. He may have gone up here and done some things that, was, that, were, that were far from God. So Peter, knowing this, is like, why are you sending me to this man's house? But when he gets there, he realizes that this man has an understanding of who Jesus is. He accepts Jesus as the Lord and Savior. He's then filled with the Holy Spirit. And the gospel, listen to this, the gospel from then on out ricochets, flies out, expands into all nations. And now 2,000 years later, here we are in Salt Lake City, Utah, because God showed that we were advancing the kingdom. We're advancing the kingdom. No longer is it limited to Israel. No longer is it limited to this spot. You see, Peter, you have to open up your thinking a little bit. You see, when I told you on this rock I would build my church, what I was telling you is that the Gentiles of the world would come to an understanding of who Jesus is, that they would have that revelation and they would accept. But now you and I have to man up. We have to step out, and we cannot let the yeast of the Pharisees to creep back in and say, I don't believe. All I can see is my lack. I'm thinking too small. Hmm. We have power of attorney. When Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, it was a prophetic word that he spoke over it. And then he says, this is the key, Peter. You see, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose in heaven will be, bound, will be loosed on earth. That when you and I, when you and I are in Christ, we have power of attorney. You see, as we approach vision builders, Lots of times in church, it's like, hey, we need you to dig deep into the purse. We need you to scrape the bottom of the bucket. We need you to, listen, at this church, what you'll find is we're teaching you. We want to empower you. We want to give you the keys. We don't want you to live a life that just says, oh, man, well, I guess, you know, we have to, oh, man, we have to. Listen, no, 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 no. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And guess how I'm going to build my church? I'm going to build it on my people who are, who, who, who are in me, who are calling down to heaven, who are speaking with authority, with speaking with the power of attorney that I have, that will step into their work and they will prophesy. They will step into their kids' rooms and prophesy. They will prophesy over their wife. They will prophesy over their church. They will say, guess what? We're going there. Guess what I see a building in Jesus' name. We will speak it into, and then we will then be diligent and work and go and get it. You see, or will we just be arguing about bread? Will we be arguing about 
bread or will we exercise our power of attorney so that we can be a part of Jesus building his church? I don't know about you. That's where I want to put my stock. That's where I want to put my faith. I don't want to get up to heaven and Jesus go, hey, high five, welcome. I wish you wouldn't have argued about bread so much, though. I wanted to do a lot more through you. I wanted to build my church. In my life, You see, the thing about it is that sometimes we don't always see it. Peter couldn't see it. In my life, I was a teenager, young man, and in the natural, you couldn't see it. You couldn't see, if you would have met me when I was 19 years old, you would have never have dreamt that I would be here today. Right, Bryce? <laughs> you would have never dreamt it. Bryce comes just to see if I'm still actually doing this thing. <laughs> but the reason I'm here today is because somebody ex exercised power of attorney. And they prophesied over my life. And they say, God, I can see him coming home. I can see him in your house serving your kingdom. I can see him investing and pouring into your church. I can see him. And they prayed and they prophesied. And I thank God for them. If I'm honest with you, church, about two years ago, I wasn't sure if this church was going to be here. Things didn't look the greatest. But I'm thankful that somebody knew enough to access and to exercise their power of attorney, and to prophesy and to speak over and to believe God that he would. And now, church, we're on the heels, we're on the edge of a massive outbreak of the Spirit of God in this valley. <laughs> My mom, she purchased a timeshare. She loved Kauai. And we went to the attorney's office, and I had, we got, I got power of attorney and did all this stuff. And uh, we signed over the timeshare to me and my two sisters so that we would be able to holiday in Kauai and not have to pay for a hotel. And this was one of the things that my mom really, really wanted for us. Well, my mom passed away a couple years ago, and uh, with her death, my power of attorney is canceled. It's void. It's only good when the principal is alive. I found out just a couple weeks ago that that timeshare, there's some stuff going on, and long story short, my, my old stepdad actually retains ownership of that. The pi paperwork originally wasn't filed correctly, and so we can't access, we don't have that timeshare. And the power of attorney, I can't really do anything about it anymore. But here's the cool part. You see, if you build God's house, he'll build yours. 
You seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Kawhi is fine. I mean, whatever. But here's the, just the goodness of my God. You see, right around the time, just shortly after my mom's passing, I met a couple named Kanoa and Bree. You can guess where Kanoa's from. He's from Kwai. And he says, we're friends. And I'm going to hold him to it. He says, you can come and stay in Kauai anytime that you want. I don't have to pay my dues with a, with a, with a timeshare. I don't have to, and not only, but not only do I have a place to stay, but I have community to share it with. It's a reminder that just, listen, Jesus died. So is our power of attorney dead? Is it canceled? Jesus rose from the dead. He's, he's not dead. Your power of attorney is still valid. It's still, and we're able to be exercised. And so God is looking for a church that will step up and exercise the power that he's given you to take ground, to take land, to take back what the enemy has stolen. Let's step up, church. In every area of your life, step up and grab the pen that has his blood on it and sign on the dotted line. Say, I believe that he is who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he'll do, and I'm taking back what the enemy has stolen from me. You have power of attorney. Amen. Amen. As we bring our service to a close, The most important question, as I said before, that you have to answer for yourself is the question that Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because that's the only question that matters. You won't have access to any real supernatural power on your own. There's nothing on this cliff bed. No temple. All there is is a remnant. Because those gods were idols. When they died, they died. When the shrines were burnt down, they were burnt down. When the buildings were destroyed, they were destroyed. But now you and I are the temple of the living God. That he's not dead, but he's very much alive. But the only way that we have that is in Christ. In Christ. So this morning, who do you say Jesus is? And if you want to make a declaration as Peter made, if this morning you've had that revelation, or maybe you've had it before, but you've never publicly declared it, you've never said, yes, I need that. And you want to make that this morning, I want to give you opportunity to do so. If you're here this morning and you want to make Jesus, you want to invite him to come into your life, you accept that free gift of salvation. You realize that on your own, you, you never can measure up. You're never going to be good enough. It's not, but in Christ, you're whole. As Pastor Irina said, it's the, perf it's the perfected, complete work of Christ. 
that when we step into him, we're made perfect. When we step into him, we're made right. When we step into him, we have access to all that he is. This morning, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, just raise your hand nice and high all across this room. I see that hand. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anybody else? See your hand in the back. Praise God. Is there anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All across this room, let's pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin, for forgiving me, making me clean, making me new. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we have got a hand? He's so good. He's so good. Church, let's, ex- let's exercise our power of attorney. Every day, wake up, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what are you doing? Where are we signing? How can I step out in faith? What are you calling me to do? Ask him. Ask him this month, what's the number? What's the number? I know Beck and I have a number. I know I have a number for our church that I believe that God put on my heart. The crazy thing is, is the number that I have on the, on our, for the church, it was confirmed three times. I asked Pastor John Heinrichs, I said, hey, what, what do you think? And he gave me a number that matched my number. I asked my wife, hey, what do you think? She gave me the number that matched my number. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit says, and watch me break it. And watch me break it. Don't let bread get in the way of exercising your power of attorney. Look up. Remember, he's the God of multiplication. He can feed all of Israel from the lint in your pocket. And so whatever you've got, allow God to use it. Put it at his feet and watch him multiply it. Raise your hands toward heaven. We thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you, God, that you are a good God who wants good things for your children. God, we thank you that you'll do more than we could ever ask, hope, or imagine. And now we pray, Jesus, that we look to you as our source. God, that you would do new things in us. God, that you would show us how to step out in faith, where to step out what to do, what to say. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com.